You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. All right, good morning, Midtown family. It's good to worship together this morning. I do see some new faces, so I'll introduce myself before we get started. My name's Justin. I serve as the associate pastor here at Midtown, and just want to say we're really glad that you're here visiting with us. Our hope for you is that you would experience God's love for you this morning, because He does love you. Again, we're really glad that you're here. Uh, this morning, we're actually going to kick off what's going to be a very short, just two-week series in the book of Psalms. If you've been with, with us very long, you know that we normally do Psalms during the summer, and we call them Psalms of Summer. Uh, but we kind of found ourselves kind of caught between two sermon series that we're starting an Easter one on March 26th, and we knew these were two weeks kind of in between when we finished our prayer, and we just thought, let's do Psalms of Spring, even though it's still technically winter, we're calling them Psalms of Spring, all right? So I'm excited, really excited actually to teach from this passage uh, because it's a psalm that's been very meaningful to me in the last two years particularly, and so I'm excited to teach from Psalm 66, and then uh, next week, Alice is going to teach from Psalm 103, and so we're going to have a good time in the Psalms together. And what I want to do now is I'm going to invite Bob up to come read our psalm for us and invite you guys to stand in honor of God's word as he reads uh, this psalm. Thank you, sir. Psalm 66. For the director of music, a song, a psalm. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us into a place of abundance." I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you, vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you and an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Come and hear, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, The Lord would not have listened, but God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God, who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys can have a seat. Thanks, Bob. If you have been with us during the summers, when we've done the Psalms of Summer, you've heard a phrase that I'm trying to make all of our church believe and receive, is that there's a psalm for every season. Y'all heard me say that? There's a psalm for every season. 
I love the Psalms because it's just a list of people's prayers at all different situations in life. And so I really believe there's a Psalm for every season. And what I mean by that is there's been seasons in my life where I've clung to like a particular Psalm and said like, this is the one for right now. This is the one I'm gonna memorize part of it. I'm gonna post it on a door. I'm gonna do something that helps me keep it before me because it's the Psalm for that season. And so this has been the Psalm of my season uh, for quite a while now. Particularly that very last, the, my favorite line in this one is that we went through the fire and the water, but you brought us to a place of abundance because that's been my prayer really for the last three years, although it was two years ago that God brought this particular psalm uh, to my mind and because we all know what's happened over the last three years, right? COVID. This has been my prayer of COVID. Can you remember where you were? Because it's actually like three years ago tomorrow will be the day that the city and the world shut down. You remember where you were? Pretty wild, right? Crazy to look back. I remember two things really distinctly stick out in my mind. One was uh, we, as a staff team, we used to meet at Easy Tiger on Thursday mornings, and we're meeting Thursday morning, and just like we have a team that's on beach reach right now, we're about to send another team to beach reach the very next day. And I remember sitting with our college team and sitting with our staff team around the table, and it's just having to make that hard decision, like, we're not gonna do beach reach this year. We're, we're giving it up. My other really distinct memory was the next day, Jake and I, and I'll tell a little bit more of the story later, Jake and I had been meeting with the Alamo Draft House to try to secure a lease to meet in the Baker Center, which the Alamo Draft House bought, the place where we used to worship. And we had just come to an agreement, a verbal agreement. And at the very end of that Friday, about, or about noon on Friday, you didn't shake hands back then, so we, we tapped elbows, and that was, our, that was our tap elbow agreement. And the last words out of the guy's mouth for the manager of Alamo Draft House, where we wanted to meet for worship, said, Okay, we'll get working on a contract right away and get that to you next week. And then we were ghosted <laughs> for the next bunch of months as COVID had its way. Those are the things that stick out to me. What stick out, sticks out to you? I'm gonna share a lot more about why in this period, Psalm 66 became my psalm for that season. But for now, I want you actually to, to let God bring a few things to mind. Because what this psalm says is this psalm talks about how God can turn troubles into testimonies. Troubles into testimonies, that's what I want you to walk away with today. Troubles into testimonies, that's what God can do and that's what he does in the psalm. And I want you to think about whether you're in a time of trouble or a time of testimony. Sometimes we're in the midst of both, but usually we're in one place or the other. We're in a place of severe trial. And when we're in a place of severe trial, what we need to do is we need to cling to the promises of God and we need to cry out to him in prayer. And you'll see also from the psalm what it says is if you're in the place of testimony, what you need to do is you need to praise God and you need to tell others about what he's done for you. You need to tell about how he's answered your prayers. So whether you're in trouble, cry out to God. Cling to his promises. If you're in testimony, praise God's name and tell other people what he's done for you. And I get to tell you what he's done for me in answer to this prayer, which I'm excited about. But let me ask you, though, where do you find yourself today? Do you find yourself in a place of trouble? If so, I'm praying that God will kind of stir that trouble to the top of your heart and to your mind today as we look at this psalm together and think about it. Because there's all kinds of troubles in this world, right? I think you could actually argue that the, the most true phrase that Jesus ever said was when he told his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. Yeah, anyone disagree? Anyone not believe Jesus' words on that? No, we, we believe it because we've experienced it, right? We've experienced relational trouble. We have conflict with people. We've experienced financial trouble when we can't make ends meet. We've experienced emotional trouble when we're sad or depressed or down. We've experienced mental trouble when we have mental health problems, we have physical troubles when we're sick, when we're injured, and we have work troubles, right? I could list more, all kinds of troubles. If God's got you in a place of trouble, what I want you to do is let that come to your heart, and I'm hoping to convince you today that what you need to do is cry out to God in prayer 
and hold on to his promises, even finding a psalm for your season. Or maybe you find yourself right now in a place of testimony. And if you're in a place of testimony, then you need to praise God and you need to tell others what he's done for you. Because there's also just as many testimonies as there are troubles, which is why I love that Jesus didn't stop his phrase with his disciples that way, right? He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. What Jesus overcomes is when he turns those trials, those troubles into testimonies. And if that's you right now, praise God. Tell others what he's done, because what you need to do is help those who are in trouble, because it's your testimonies that help the people that are in trouble, If God has you in a place of testimony, I hope that today he would bring that to the top of the surface in your mind and your heart and you would just praise God for what he's done and then you would tell people what God has done for you. This psalm begins with just a straight up call to worship because of what God's done in the psalmist's life. He says this, shout for joy to God, all the earth, sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious, say to God, how awesome are your deeds, so great is your power, your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down before you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise, praises to your name. Call just to shout for joy, to, to, to look out upon the earth and see the awesome things that God's done, to look back at your life and see the times he has overcome those enemies and he's turned troubles into testimonies and to praise God for it in joyful song because he's the God that turns our troubles into testimonies, turns our mourning into dancing, turns our ashes to beauty our shame to glory, turns our graves to gardens, turns the bones to armies, turns the seas to highways as we sing. He's the only one who can. And so it starts with a call to worship. The psalmist is saying, worship this God who's the one who's done this for us. What he's gonna do next, he's gonna turn the people to help them see one of the things that you need to do if you find yourself in a place of trouble is you need to look to the testimonies of others, particularly look in scripture to see what God has done. Look what he says in these next verses. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power and his eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all you peoples. Let the sound of praise be heard for he has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver You brought us into prison. You laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through the fire and the water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. One of the things that's most wise for us to do when we find ourselves in a time of trouble is to go to scripture and see God's deliverance and read about what he's done. And so the psalmist here is pointing back to the people of Israel's journey across the Red Sea. They could point to many different stories, but he's choosing probably like the most dramatic and the most significant story of what God had done for his people. After sending down the plagues on the Pharaoh in Egypt, the Egyptians finally let the people go, and the people go, and they think that they're on their way to the promised land, but then Pharaoh changes his mind, and so he sends his armies after them, and they find themselves cornered, like right at the Red Sea. Like, how are we gonna go? Where are we gonna go now? I'm in severe trouble. God, what are you gonna do? You pick up the story in Exodus 14. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us in the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. But Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm. You will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring to you today. 
the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And what happens? Moses raises his hands and his faith, and he holds up his staff, and he prays, and the waters are parted, and he walks through on dry land. And indeed, the, the Egyptians pursue them, but the water crashes down upon them, and God's word through Moses came true. These people you will never see again. Today, you'll see the deliverance of the Lord. And what the psalmist is trying to do by bringing up the story is to invoke faith in them that God can do it again, that he is the God who delivered, and he's the God that can do it again. And one of the best things that we can do when we're in a time of trouble is to look to Scripture and look to the God that has done so many things in the past, and we just continue to cry out for him to do it again. That's why we have, a part of the reason that we have these stories to instill hope and faith and to give us that psalm of the season or give us that story that we cling to and we pray and we cry out to God saying, be faithful to this promise. Do it again, God. Paul would write about the Old Testament in Romans 15. He said this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance, uh, so that through the endurance taught by the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. You see, when we go back to these stories, what it's meant to do, it's meant to give us encouragement this is what God's done in the past. It can do it again. It gives us the, the grace to have the endurance to go through the trouble that we're in. And in the midst of the trouble, it gives us the hope to believe that God has done it. He can do it again. So for instance, if you find yourself, what came to surface for you today was relational troubles. You'd need some sort of reconciliation, some trouble in your life. Well, what if you were to go to the book of Genesis and read the story of Joseph and see how God finally brought about the restoration of his family and pray, God, do that again. Maybe you're in financial trouble, and that's the thing that's coming to mind. You've got some, some anxiety around something like that, and that's your trouble. What, what, what if you read in the story of Exodus, how God just provided manna from heaven, and you just pray, God, God, do it again. Maybe you're in emotional trouble. You're sad or you're down about something. You could go to Samuel and read about Hannah, how when she was sad and she was praying and asking God to give her a child, and God answered her prayer and drew near to her and gave her a child. Or maybe you've got mental troubles. You're depressed or you're down, you can go and read about Elijah, a prophet who did this great miracle, but then he goes up to the mountain. He's, he's sad and down and depressed, and he's asking, where are you, God, and why haven't you given anyone for me? Why am I alone? And God meets him with a still, quiet voice. And you can say, God, do that again. Meet me in a still, quiet voice. Or maybe you've got physical troubles. And so you could go and read about the story of Naaman where he was healed from his sickness by the prophet Elisha. Maybe you've got work troubles, <laughs> and God's protecting you. You can pray and read through the book of Daniel and see how God prospered Daniel through the midst of a very difficult work situation. Whatever it is, you get the idea. You go to scripture, you read it, and you say, God, you did this before, do it again. Save me from my troubles, be my deliverance. God, do it again. That's one of the things that we ought to do when we're in a season of trouble. And God graces us with these scriptures of true stories that point to what his character's like and what he's done and what he can do. Again, you cling to it. You say, God, this is for me. I'm holding on to this. Do it again. That's what we can do. Not only that, one of the things that God graces us with, too, in addition to scriptures, is he graces us with each other's stories, which is another reason why the testimonies are for the people here that have a testimony. You need to give your testimony to the people that are in trouble because it's our testimonies that also point us to, well, God, you did that. Do that again. And that's what you see that he goes to next in the psalm. And you can see it, too, through our stories, particularly the one that I'm thinking of today, because this was the first part of my COVID prayer. Uh, the first verses that I hang on to is here found in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 
when Paul's actually gonna do the same thing. He's gonna give the Corinthians, this church that he's writing, he's gonna tell them his testimony in hopes that it would inspire hope within them. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter one. Praise be to God. Sounds like the start of our psalm already. Starts with a call to worship. This God who delivers us, let's start by saying, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Like the psalm, like I said, it starts with a call to worship, but then he begins to, to explain this kind of interplay of what God does in his sovereignty of you go through a trouble, you get comforted by God, and now you get to comfort God with that same trouble that you have already received. It's an interplay of how God works between troubles and testimonies, testimonies to those that are troubled. When you receive God's comfort, you give God's comfort to others. He goes on to elaborate on how that works in verse five. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and your salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in the sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. See, this is the way that it works. And now Paul's actually gonna go on to tell about his testimony, speaking to the Corinthians saying, here's what happened to me and let me testify to what God has done in taking my troubles into a testimony. We do not want you to be unaware or uninformed, brothers and sisters, about our troubles that we experience in the province of Asia. We are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so we despaired even life. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He's delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us again, do it again. On him, we've set our hope that he'll continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers that many will give thanks on our behalf because of gracious favor granted us. What? An answer to what? An answer to the prayers of many. Paul's not beating around the bush here. He's describing the trouble that he was in, describing it with great detail to say that he despaired even life, that he thought that they were going to die and he says God delivered him from it. And he wants to share with his church, these people, a testimony of what God has done so that they then can be comforted in the trials that they're experiencing and they can pray a prayer like, God, you did that for Paul. Well, do it, do it for me too. Do it again. And I'm here to say that whatever your trouble is, whatever your testimony is, that God can do it again. And whatever he's gonna do by turning your trouble into a testimony, he's gonna turn it into a testimony so that you can help those then they're in trouble, even the worst things. One of the things I enjoy doing as a pastor, or really just as a human, as a Christian, is connecting people that have had similar troubles. And so someone comes to me and, and tells me about their cancer diagnosis. I, I enjoy connecting them with other people who've had cancer and have seen their way through it because you know that they have a testimony that they can encourage and comfort those who've had it for those with miscarriages, to connect them with people who've had miscarriages. Whatever the case would be, those struggling with depression, when God turns that from a trouble to a testimony, then you're gonna get to use that testimony to help those that are in the same kind of trouble. Financial struggles, whatever your testimony becomes after, after a season of trouble, you cry out to God and hope for him and he delivers. You've now got a testimony to help those that have financial troubles where your freedom from sin has come where that's your trouble, where you've just been wrestling with something that you can't seem to break a pattern in your life. 
and you keep crying out to God and holding on to his promise and asking him to deliver you, when he does, that's your testimony. You're gonna get to bring that back to help those who are in the same trouble. Even your greatest mistake, the greatest mistake that you've ever made, God can redeem and make that a testimony to those that are in trouble. When we're in trouble, what we're supposed to do is cling to the hope and promises of God and call on God, asking him to deliver us. Today, I can give you a personal testimony that that's what I feel like I have experienced through this very psalm. Before I get to the psalm, one of the things that was my first verse during the first probably nine months of COVID was this actual verse from, from Paul here when he said that we despaired even death. Or he said, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. Oh, I'm sorry. Indeed, we felt that we received the sentence of death. I felt like that, particularly as a pastor, feeling like that for our church's sake. And for me, there was a really rough season at the start of COVID where it just felt like we'd received a sentence of death. March 13th, 2020, uh, we did tap elbows with the Alamo owners and said, yes, we're gonna work on a deal. When, when COVID hit, all the schools shut down, so we'd been previously meeting in schools, and so the schools weren't gonna let anyone meet, and it was probably improper to meet at that time, but when we finally actually got to a point where we could meet again, we weren't able to get a space because AISD had changed all their rules and made them more restrictive, and it just wasn't going to work for a church, so we were still homeless. And for me, for me at least, Zoom church was kind of fun at the start, but Zoom fatigue set in pretty quickly, probably more rapidly on me than anyone else in our church, and it felt like a season of death and homelessness. And worst of all, there were, there were people who, who left our church during that period. Like the worst case, like leaving the faith and seeing friends get just, just all this isolation, it caused people to leave the faith. Others, it didn't cause to leave the faith, but they, they lost touch with community and they left our church. And some didn't leave, uh, lose community, but they just chose to find community elsewhere and joined other churches, which is great, but still painful. And so for me, in that first part of that season, this was the verses that I cling to, that I felt like we had received a sentence of death, but I called out on the God of Paul who delivered, you know? It's, this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves. It happened so that we would rely on God and not ourselves, and he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. During that period, Jake actually sent me these verses, and I said, that's gonna be the ones I cling to, right there. God delivered us, he can deliver us again and started praying that. I often felt the sense of death and asked God to do it again, what he did for Paul. But probably about nine months into it, I actually uh, got to Psalm 66. It's not that you have to have a psalm for a season. You can have a second Corinthians for a season, <laughs> whatever it is. Find the scripture, find the one to hope. That was my first one to hope in. But then this one, I, I read it one morning just as part of my regular quiet time, and I texted Jake back. I said, hey, I think this might be my psalm for the season. Like, this is it particularly these verses 9 through 12. These are the most meaningful to me. He's preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison. You laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through the fire and water, but you brought us to the place of abundance. When I think about the season, the, the, the part of the scripture that I clung to was you've preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. One of the things that I, I look back at is I thought, uh, I look back and I saw a sense of God's favor in the sense that he just kept protecting us as a church through the whole time. 
True, we were homeless, but we still kept our community together as best that we could during uh, Zoom. But one day, uh, when I was doing a prayer walk around the Baker Center that Alamo Draft House owned, I accidentally ran into the owner of Alamo Draft House. And I said, hello. She said, hello. I didn't know she was the owner. And <laughs> we started talking. I said, I'm sorry, I'm not being creepy. I was just looking at this place because we had hoped that our church might be able to meet here. And she said, oh, you're, you're with that Midtown church. I said, yeah, that's me. And so began a relationship. And you see just a little trickle of, you know, God preser- pre- preserved us. He kept our feet from slipping. I think that first year, uh, very tough financially, but God gave us a PPP loan uh, that we were able to benefit from. And in the end of year giving, actually, people actually gave so much at the end of the year that we didn't even have to touch it that first year of COVID. And so instead, what we got to do with that PPP loan is hire a worship pastor. Amazing, seeing God preserved our our steps. He kept us from slipping. I think back to the new people. But even during that tough season, there were some new people. When we opened up, if you all remember, we opened back up in Alamo. I love the way that we kind of combined our Zoom church with our in-person church, and we had tables kind of everywhere. But even so, there was a trickle of new people that God had done something in their lives during COVID that now there was spiritual interest. And as much as people had wandered away, there was a trickle of people starting to come in that we were able to invite to be part of our church. And then I think of this next phrase, tested us and refined us like silver. That's not fun, not at all, but that's what it felt like. It felt like it was a season, a testing and refining season, a season to work on just my personal character and and ask the inward questions, not what God, what are you doing out here, but what are you doing in here and, and, and how are you refining us? Will you refine us? Will you make us brighter silver, shinier? Will you do something redemptive from this? And I think back to that time, and I, and I know that uh, during that time, the elders and the staff were seeking God for, for what is God, kind of God doing? How is he refining us? And it was during that period of COVID in that year that we felt like God strongly leading us to this, this vision that you hear us say in Austin as it is in heaven. Like that came about during that period, a refining our vision of who are we as a church? What is God calling us to do? What's our big prayer? Our big prayer is that, that Austin would become more like heaven. Well, how are we gonna do that? We're gonna do that by practicing the way of Jesus together by being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. And if, as we do that and we become more like Jesus, Austin becomes more like heaven. That was all a, a, a many, many month period of seeking God together and praying. And I look back at it now and I say, God, you, you refined us like silver. You did it, both in our character and our trust in you, and even with our vision. God preserved us. We didn't die. We survived. God tested us and refined us. We didn't die. Uh, we were made new. I won't go into what I thought about the next phrase, brought us into prison, laid burdens on our backs, let people ride over our heads. Um, it might get political if I said that. So, But that's how I felt. I felt personally just as a period of just other people r- ruling us and us not being able to have the freedom to do what we wanted to do. And so I just kept crying out to God this last prayer. God, lead us through the fire. Lead us through the water but bring us to a place of abundance. And that's really what happened. For about two years, I've been praying this prayer, and I've called it my psalm of the season. And I think I'm about to stop praying it. I think I'm about to start moving on to a different psalm because I've seen God answer this prayer in in many different ways. We went through the fire and water, but you have led us to the place of abundance, and I believe he has led us to the place of abundance. 
when I think back to it, I think about when we did finally uh, get refined and come up with this vision that we, in that, that last uh, September of uh, 21, we cast that vision before our church and everyone really grabbed a hold of it and it felt like, man, we really are walking in step with God. It was a trickle, a trickle of abundance. I felt even more abundance when we chose as a church to watch The Chosen together. And we were watching The Chosen, we were preaching on it on Sunday mornings, we were talking about it in our MCs, and overall what I felt was that our church started to see Jesus in a fresh, new way. And it was, it was awesome, it was changing our lives, and I, I felt this trickle of abundance because of that. During that period of Chosen, I felt a trickle of abundance because one of our, one of our Midtown communities had a pretty painful breakup that was affected most by some of the stuff that happened during COVID. And to see that during the season of Chosen, a brand new MC emerged with new life and new people that just showed that God was still with us. And I felt this clearest uh, sense of abundance when months before the start of 2022, Red River Church approached us about using this space and having it be a place for us to have worship, to have a home, a permanent home that we've never had as we bounced around for so long. And the way that we were received was such generosity by the Red River family and those whom God uh, called to be kingdom-minded and, and welcome Midtown like they did. And I've also heard from the folks at Red River that have stayed with us that they consider this to be a season of abundance as well. I sense God's abundance. I sensed it on our first Easter Sunday when we got to throw a huge party out on the lawn and hundreds of neighbors showed up and we, we just got to be a blessing to the whole neighborhood. And we had our largest worship service on that Easter Sunday since we had before COVID, back, dating back to 2019. And I'm confident this Easter coming up is gonna be the biggest one that we will ever ha have had as a church. I feel God's sense of abundance and that the last ministry year, we go September to August, we had 21 new partners join our church. So far, halfway through this year, we've had 16 new partners join our church. I've sensed that God is answering this prayer in abundance and he's abundantly provided for us financially. As a church, we've always been behind. Always, always, always. 10 years we've been a church. Always behind, always raising money at the last minute in August to try to meet the end of our fiscal year budget. The first year in our church's history where that's not the case. And I gotta throw out a teaser here. We've got some good news to share with you, but I can't tell you it until March 26th. Because of God's abundant provision, We've got something really exciting that we're gonna to get to tell you guys that we're doing with the resources that God has provided. What do y'all think? You think I should stop praying this prayer? <laughs> I don't think I'm really supposed to stop praying it. Um, but I do think I can move on to another psalm of the season. And in this part of my life, I was, like I said, all of our lives are different and I've got troubles and testimonies all mixed together. But when it comes to this part, I have a testimony. And that's what you're gonna see the psalmist do next is he says that he started off by focusing on Israel. Like, look at what God has done for us. Remember in history what he's done? Let's remember too what he's done for us individually. But now he's gonna say, look what he's done for me. Verse 13, I will come to the temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you and offering rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Come and hear all who fear God. Let me tell you what he's done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened. He's heard my prayer. Praise be to God, he's not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. See, when you have a testimony, what you need to do is you need to praise God 
Put your eyes on him and thank him for what he's done, but then you need to tell other people. You need to tell God, you need to say, hey, okay, come, come and see, come and see. Come and hear what God has done for me. I've got to tell you something. I want to help you in your time of trouble because God has delivered me. He can do the same for you. And in one sense, it may be a little weird or you think maybe like I'm kind of being self-focused by telling at length part of my story and why this psalm has meant so much to me. But as I started thinking about it this week, all I'm doing is doing what the psalmist did. <laughs> like he said, come here, come, come listen. I want to tell you about how God answered a prayer. I want to tell you about what God has done for me. And what we need to do, if you're in a place of testimonies, you have to tell people what God has done for you. We've just come off a season of, of emphasizing prayer, and we said we're not just doing that for a season. Like, as a, as a church, like, this is what we want to grow in this year, is we want to become a more praying church. And I found in my, my years of doing prayer ministry, one of the best things that we can do in prayer to encourage people to pray is by telling answered prayers. There are people that are praying and they're waiting, and they need to hear that God has answered prayers. And if we could build a culture of praising God and telling other people what he's done when we have a testimony, God's gonna fuel our prayer. It's gonna give us continued hope. And those that are in trouble are going to cling to a promise of God and they're gonna cry out to God. And he might answer their prayers as well. The psalmist, just like uh, Paul did in, the, in the, uh, his letter to the Corinthians, he said it's important for us to have personal stories. Sure, we need to look to scripture. We need to look and see what God has done and ask him to do it again, but we need each other. We need each other that we can comfort each other with the comfort that we have received. I certainly don't know what the future holds, but I can say without a doubt right now, verse 20, praise God, he's not rejected my prayer or withheld his love for me. I don't know what the future holds, but I can say without a doubt a testimony that God has brought us through the fire through the water into a place of abundance. So I ask now, where do, you, where do you find yourself? Trouble? Testimony? It's possible that it's some of both in different parts of your life. What's surfaced to your heart this morning? If you're in trouble, you need to cling to the promises of God and cry out to him in prayer. You need to find a psalm for your season. You need to find a passage of scripture that you can hold to and say, God, you said this, this is what I'm trying, this is what I'm praying for, this is what I wanna see you do. And sometimes, as in my most recent case, you have to pray that for three years. <laughs> sometimes you do. Other times, to be real honest, God's gonna release you from that prayer. I think of Paul when he was asking for the thorn to be removed from his flesh and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and ultimately God said, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm gonna answer no on this one, but my grace will be sufficient for you. Sometimes you cling to one and there's a time where you release it. Other times you pray for years and God answers it. Whichever the case, God is good. And while you're clinging to God's promises and crying out, put yourself in community with others that will have testimonies to help you hold on and hold fast and keep praying and keep hoping that will stand with you and pray those scriptures over you as well. If you're in trouble, cling to the promises of God and call out to him in prayer. Now, what if you have a testimony? What should you do if you have a testimony? If you have a testimony, it should lead to greater worship, like the psalmist says here. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings to fulfill my vows, vows my lips promised. My mouth spoke when I was in trouble. When I was in trouble, I'll sacrifice fat animals and offerings, rams and bulls and goats. If God has given you a testimony, what should it do? It should inspire you to greater obedience. 
and should inspire you to greater worship, that you wanna walk closely with him because he's done this and you wanna just walk closely with him and worship him and anything you've told him that you would repent of or any vow that you have in your life, you would, you would fulfill it, you would do what you said you would do if God delivered you, if he delivered you. Do what you said that you would do. Seek him, obey him and follow him. Let the testimony be one that strengthens your faith because as much as we look to scripture, to uh, inform us, to, to keep asking God to do it again, or we hear testimonies from others, your own testimony is meant also for you, for you to have courage the next time you're in trouble to keep calling out to God again. But then, as I've already said, the third thing that you need to do is you need to tell others. You need to sing. You need to tell others. You need to proclaim God's goodness and ask God to deliver other people from their troubles. As the psalmist said at the start, shout for joy to God, all the earth, Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praises to your name. This is a call to worship. Let's praise the God who delivers us and turns our troubles into testimonies. Will you do that? Let me pray for us and then I'm gonna invite us to have a time of silence to take your troubles to God or to take your testimony to God and then we'll share in communion. Let's pray. God, we do praise you as the one worthy of all praise that you turn troubles into testimonies. I pray, God, for everyone here who had a trouble come to the surface of their heart or mind. Deliver them, God, we ask. Deliver them, God. Lead them to a scripture. Lead them to something that they can cling to and make their prayer. We ask, God, that you would turn their trouble into testimony. For those, God, here with testimonies, we give you praise. We give you praise, God. Ask, God, that you would just loosen their, their, their lips to give you praise and to speak of what you've done. And we pray that you would build a culture in our church where we share when you've answered prayers. And together... As one body, you would help us to give testimony to those who are in trouble, to comfort when we need comfort, and to comfort those with the comfort that we ourselves have received. We ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us, because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven.